Bullshit is everywhere. Bullshit is rampant. So I watched an episode of NWA Power now that it's back on YouTube again. Um, like I used to be a fairly regular watcher of, of Power when it was on YouTube before the pandemic started. And I watched this episode and what the fuck, man? Um, May Valentine is the worst interviewer I have ever seen in my life. Like <laughs> she, she is dead behind the eyes. Like I, I'm sure she's trying really hard and she's obviously doing a much better job than I could ever do. Like she's on a nationally syndicated TV product, mm-hmm. allegedly nationally syndicated. I don't know. It's on YouTube anyway. It's on fight TV, whatever the fuck. Anyway. Um, and she's just like, I, I don't know if you're even familiar with May Valentine or NWA power. I, I watched maybe like the first or second episode of NWA Power when it first started, just out of curiosity. Okay. But I never like I didn't keep watching it. I thought it was I thought it was an interesting look to a show, uh, doing that like old school style. But uh, that is still very, it didn't stick with it. Yeah, that is still very much how they're doing it, and I really do like the way that they're presenting it as the original nineteen seventies. You know, like whatever the fuck, um, TV studio, fixed cameras, crowd of 25 people kind of thing. Like I, I like that aesthetic. I think it works for them. I wonder if maybe they should be looking to modernize and maybe have another show. Because at the moment, they've got two shows, NWA Power and NWA USA. USA is kind of like their developmental program for up-and-comers and for developing talents, and Power is their main show. I wonder if there shouldn't be like NWA something else, I don't know what, but where they put on a more modern pro- product with entrance themes and mm-hmm. more modern camera work and maybe a crowd that reaches three digits uh, and, and try to make something that feels like it's contemporary. And you could still mix in certain aspects of, of what makes NWA so great, but I tell you what doesn't make it great, and that is May Valentine um, doing backstage uh, interviews because it, it literally just feels like she's been practicing all week to say the line, and then she says it, and she's just happy if she doesn't fuck it up. And then she stands there looking like her brain has slipped into neutral um, while she holds the microphone for somebody to talk. Um, the The wrestlers... Their promos are kind of a mixed bag. Some of them are pretty decent. Some of them are not so great. The commentary team. Oh, my fucking God. The commentary team is so bad. (laughs) So fucking bad. Like, for a time, Josh Matthews and... The Beautiful People. Who's, Who's the actual hot one out of the two? The one that's married to Bully Ray or or dating Bully Ray. I don't know. I, re- I vaguely remember Scarlet, this. Velvet Sky and... Oh. God, Jesus Christ. Speaking of Bully Ray, what a fucking um, idiot. Yeah, well... Some of the stupidest shit I've ever heard coming out of that guy's mouth pretty consistently. He's got a talent for it. Let's put it that way. 
Um, anyway, his missus, right? She's on commentary. Her and Austin Idol, who is like this old school wrestler from like the seventies or some shit. They are just horrible, a horrible combination. Like she's not a great commentator anyway, but she tries. But Austin Idol just, I don't think he has the quickness of mind to respond to what's going on either in the ring or what the other commentators are saying. And all it ends up doing is making commentary feel really amateur because him and, and um, her just end up arguing all the time and just getting into these really awkward feeling silences where neither of them wants to talk to the other. And you've got a third commentator who's literally just doing play by play and God bless him. He's doing his best, but he can't rescue it. Um, the wrestling itself is pretty decent, and actually, they've got some they've got some names in there now. Like um, Dirty Dango is in there, or Fandango as he used to be known. JTG is Aww. wrestling there. They're the oh, what are they called now? The I there are a handful of people. I've been. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm kind of taking us away from NWA no, a you're little fine, bit you're fine. to talk about the other the other companies. That's all I had to say about NWA anyway. It's like, it's it's, <laughs> it's are, free, so I can't complain. But it's it's painful to watch. I there. I would love to just see. I I know I, it would be surprising to people, but it shouldn't be. I would love to see. The Breezango gimmick, um, oh yes, just brought over to to AEW man. Like Tyler Breeze and uh, Vandango are great wrestlers. We found that out when they went back to NXT. They're fantastic. Yeah, um, and they had really great characters, and they didn't get used well on the main roster. They're funny. They got to go back to NXT, and they got to go back to doing what they were good at. Mm. They were like a it's so funny going back and thinking about it. Cause I, I think that team kind of got put together right around that one, like that first brand split. I think it was like early 2016 hmm. where those two characters happened to end up together and forming a tag team, like almost by coincidence. And I was like, this is just perfect. I can't believe these guys weren't doing this the whole time. They yeah. fit so well together. They've got great chemistry. They're hilarious. They, really they showed how great, great they were. Yeah. And then, right. When they like, you know, NXT was this place where people like the a NXT was doing AEW quality matches. Like the people who could go in, in NXT could go in the ring with, with AEW people easily. They would be great over there, and I would love to see their kind of humor thrive over there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, isn't that what happened with? Uh, I don't know what their new names is. It is, is their new names 2.0? The guys who were in oh yeah NXT yeah. So they were 2.0 on the indies. Then they came to NXT and became some fucking French Canadian whatever the fuck name. I can't. Well, they had now. they had yeah, and then they were like nothing, and then they started to have like they started to do funny stuff, yeah. and then I think they got released. Then they got released. And then they immediately <laughs> went to AEW and just picked up where they left off. Yeah. But um, there's, like, so many people, obviously everybody who's leaving or, like, wants to leave WWE right now, not the ones that are fired, just the ones that are straight up want to leave, like, like Ali might not get his, his uh, release like he wants, but he's somebody who would be great with AEW. Tony, uh, Tony Storm would be great with AEW. Like oh. all these people who want out, 
I, I just think that AEW has a lot of people that they don't need. And now that there are contracts expiring, like Leo Rush said today that his contract expiring and yeah. he's accepting bookings because I guess he's not – He won't get renewed. Yeah, He's not getting renewed. Um, if they if, – if AEW is able to get rid of some of the fat that they have on their roster because there's a lot of people who uh, don't need to be there. Yeah, um, or Or who can be transitioned maybe if you want to keep them employed – uh, they don't need to be on the active roster, but you can get them a job there and or let them go work. And they, they would be perfect on something like NWA, but don't need to be on AEW. Well, the way that AEW works. And then works, they could sign some of these people who are really great that yeah, have yeah, been yeah. let go. But the, the way that AEW works oh, and, and has worked since its inception is that they have contracted wrestlers, but they also feature right. – they're not afraid to feature unsigned talent. So they can right. come in and do a, a couple of dates and then they can go back to NWA or – or wherever the hell. Um, so they could, if they wanted to, like you were saying with transitioning current talent, if they have talent that they don't necessarily want to sign up to an exclusive dealer again, they could still, in theory, have Leo Rush come in every now and then um, yeah. on on a case-by-case basis. But I, I think you're right. The, the problem for they, them is that they've they got... They have the ability lot. right now, mm. truly... Uh, if they trim some of the fat and they bring in some of these really great people who've been let go by WWE or who are actively leaving WWE, mm. they could have one of the just the best rosters on they could but, any in any program in, in years. My, the problem is WWE had a really great roster for years, yeah, because uh, they were hoarding all this talent, but they weren't doing anything good with half of them. No, you're right. And now but a lot concern, of them really have an opportunity to shine, which we've seen in, in AEW already with a I lot think, of the I talent that left. My concern is that yeah, you can build yourself a super roster, but we see this in sports all the time, especially in football. And I'm talking about proper football, not that one where you grab a pig skin and throw it with your hand. Okay. Um, look at teams like Manchester City, Paris Saint-Germain, teams where they've got billions of pounds at their disposal and they're able to buy whatever players they want. And so you have a squad of like 25 world-class players. You can only play 11 at a time. Mm-hmm. And this is a simil- This is why I say this, is because I think the analogy is similar to AEW. You could build yourself a super roster, like a literal super roster, of talent where every single one of those people is believable as a top line talent, leading the line, cashing in, getting the title, being the face of the company. But the problem that you have is when you've got a roster that is so, so talented, you have to be exceptionally good at booking your talent so that nobody feels like they're a wasted potential. Because if you've got someone like Tony Storm, and you've got a roster where you've got like a dozen Tony Storms. How do you decide which one of them is curtain jerking and which one of them is taking the title? Well, I, I right now to me, there is maybe like that to me, there is like maybe Britt Baker feels like she is um, she has no one on her level. Um, Ruby Soho is close. I think they're building someone very yes. clearly towards taking it from her and becoming her level because Funda Rosa is definitely over. Right. So there's like a handful, there's, there's a couple, but like the one thing everyone keeps talking about, like NXT did a really good job of developing women's talent and the main roster on WWE mm. has done an okay job, but the, but there is clearly, there is just, just like, 
how Roman Reigns sits atop a SmackDown and nobody ever comes close to touching him. There are only four women that matter in WWE. Yeah. And unfortunately, people I watched a couple years ago, I watched um, WWE Evolution. And I I thought Tony Storm had the ability and the the kind of look to be one of those top women in WWE, but mm-hmm. she wasn't one of the four horsewomen, so she didn't matter. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it, it's just it's it's one of those things where a lot of people had that problem. Same thing with Ruby Soho. Like the thing that's happening right now with Liv Morgan. It's like Liv Morgan could be over, mm-hmm. but you don't do anything with her because she's not one of those other four. Um, and they're slowly making it work with, uh, Bianca, but still it's like, um, really difficult for them. Like they got a lot of really good talent and they've developed them well. Um, and I would love to see the women's division, uh, I think could really develop a lot. If a a handful of these Mm -hmm. names that, that were, uh, have recently left, joined that roster. I think you could get to the point where the women's roster can be just as successful as the guys' you roster. You know what, though? The, the funny thing is, is that, like, the the women's roster of the early 2000s, right, where mm-hmm. the wrestling wasn't particularly good, but you you probably had, like, a dozen different champions in the same year, and there was only one belt that they were vying after. That in a way felt like a much more vibrant and competitive division than it does now. But the division now unarguably has the better wrestling mm-hmm. and feels like it's booked and more it like treats, a proper show because it does when you're treat, a top person, you stay a top person. You don't just disappear completely out of the field of view. Yeah. And the big difference is besides the, 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 the actual matches being better, and the quality of, of the wrestling, obviously across the board being better, even when they're not as big as the other ones. Um, the other thing is it, the, the way it's treated has been such a huge difference. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah, it is got, it is now, even if, you know, Oh, they, the matches are still short or whatever, and they're still not developing all these people. It's still just so much more watching a women's match they can main event if they want to, and they can have, you know, a, a elimination chamber or money in the bank or Royal rumble because they now treat them as no different than the men's roster. They're just, it's just the women. Mm, and yeah. that I appreciate at least that mm. I, even though they, they haven't done a good job of developing and really making more than just the four stars. Cause they could. And even Becky, Becky felt like she was, um, no pun intended, the, the redheaded stepchild of the four horse woman <laughs> until the man. And then well, now she got herself over. Now she got back up there. Yeah. But and, and the thing really is, it's just the four of them rotating belts and then nobody else matters. The, the thing is, and, and well, Alexa Bliss, but then they ruined her. <laughs> so there was a time where I felt like she, she had developed to the point and Naomi, <laughs> but then they just like disappear the and thing, now they're not important anymore. The thing that surprises me about Becky as well is the fact that she did the one thing that every other single wrestler that has done it has ended up being punished as a result. She got herself over, right? Yeah. She had a breakout moment, which was unplanned and people just were hugely invested in her from that point forward. It's literally the only thing of note that Nia Jax has ever done, which could be seen (laughs) in a positive light, honestly. 
So Becky gets her nose broken. She keeps on going. There's that ending image of her standing in the crowd with a bloodied nose. And from that point on, it just erupted for her. You, you, the problem at the moment is that the WWE women's division, it seems like what they want you to do is make a name for yourself. But if you make a name for yourself, you get punished. Like there's mixed messages. Oh, that seems to be the case, not just with the women's, it's, it's everyone. They don't yeah, no, seem course. to want anybody to be over. Of course, ever. but I think Whether there are more, them or not, it's there are more every, potential. Every choice they make is terrible. But I think there are more potential top line talents that are perceived as top line talents in the men's division at the moment. And I don't know why that is, but it just feels that way. The interesting thing to me is that I, I think that there's no excuse why they shouldn't have eight women in WWE that are perceived as top women because you've got two belts. So you can have two divisions. You can have four women that you can have, you know, constantly two of those four can be vying for the belt and the other two can be having feuds either with each other or with the lower mid card, uh, on, on the rest of the show. You can have eight talents, but if I said, well, you could have, you could have 16 talents. That's not going to work. And the reason is you've only got a certain amount of time to feature a certain number of wrestlers. And, and that's getting back to what we were saying originally. My concern for AEW is that if they end up assembling this super roster that everyone wants, someone is going to get buried. And there are going to be a lot of fans that are going to be unhappy about that. And as unpopular as a opinion this is, I genuinely do think that in any roster there is a need to have an upper card, a mid card, and a curtain jerkers, right? Yeah, and so you, you, but if if you assemble a super roster where you've got twenty five upper uh, upper card stars, and you've got no mid carders, and you've got no curtain jerkers, some of those upper card stars are going to have to assume those roles because that's how well, the show works. Here's here's what I'll say though, because what I've noticed with AEW is yeah, I do feel like there are people who are in a completely different stratosphere from the rest of the roster mm. who feel like they are the mega stars of the show. And right off the bat, it's CM Punk, it's Daniel Bryan, it's John Moxley. It's like those guys, right? Yeah, who yeah. they anything they do feels like a big deal. Mm. Um they've been presented great. I'll even throw Hangman in there, uh Kenny that's they, nice of you since he has the belt <laughs> right well yeah but hangman I, he didn't start that way it, it was a it was a it took a while not to, to sound to not to sound like a, a typical new japan weeaboo but if people had been familiar <laughs> with his new japan work, no i'm serious now if people were familiar with his new japan work when he first came into aew he would have been a fucking megastar from day one because that guy honestly he was a new japan champion in waiting if he stuck around, he was that over. He was that well-respected and he was developing that quickly that he would have been a New Japan uh, heavyweight champion before now. Um, it was only a matter of time with him. Genuinely, I, I believe that. Mm -hmm. I genuinely do. And the fact but that it took so long to establish him in AEW, it's a shame. It's not on, It's not surprising, but it is a shame. To me, it's. I don't think it's a shame because it felt like it was a slow build that was intentional because mm. I think... Because they took him from that New Japan era where he was over and they treated him at the very beginning of AEW like he was over mm. and he wasn't. And instead of abandoning ship and giving up on Hangman, they instead spent 
the first several years of this program slowly building him yeah, into Yeah, I'm, I'm not blaming them that. for that at all. So um, they did, and, and, I, and yeah. it worked. So it, it's hard to be like, oh, like, you know, it did take a long time for them to get him there, but they did get him there. And yeah, yeah, no, I do I'm think not, he's in that, that top stratus. Don't, right don't get me wrong. Like, maybe I've, I've expressed that in the wrong way. I'm not blaming AEW for that, and I'm not blaming them at all for the way that they have done what they've done. I think they've mm-hmm. done exactly what they needed to because he did need to be built. My problem is the fact that as as worldwide as the AEW fans seem to want to make people believe that they are, because unfortunately AEW has attracted an awful lot of the cool kids, you know, the posers, the ones that are like, oh yeah, I like this, I like that, whatever. Um, yeah. If the fan base of AEW was as wise to the world of wrestling as they say that they are, Adam Page would have been nuclear when he came in. But he Mm -hmm. wasn't, and the reason for that is because AEW's fan base aren't as wise to the rest of the world of wrestling as they like people to think that they are. And that's not a slam on AEW fans at all, because there are some... I mean, Will, right? Well, I mean, we both know that Will is a massive mark for AEW, and fair play, they've reinvigorated his love for wrestling. I I think we all know that it was waning pretty badly. But, like... He will be the first to admit he didn't know shit about New Japan and he never pretended to. And that's not a problem at all. But there's an awful lot of AEW fans out there that they just, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, maybe I'm just, I'm, I'm picking the wrong fight here, but. Well, well, I don't necessarily disagree with that. And there are plenty of shitty AEW fans. I've been in the audience with them before, but <laughs> there's plenty of good ones too. Oh, no, absolutely. Uh, I think the good and, outweighs and, the bad and, and by I'll some that, considerable I, I also feel like I am becoming more of an AEW fan simply because WWE has ruined everything I liked about their product <laughs> in the last two years to the point where I really it's really hard for me to care. So even though AEW isn't exactly my cup of tea, it is more my cup of tea than anything that WWE is doing. And I'm very excited to be going to Beach Break this week. Um nice. But the thing that I think is that I was gonna say is there's there is a upper echelon that are like these untouchable megastars. And then there's like Yeah that's this, absolutely true. Um, of course it is, yeah. And then there's there's like the the slightly underneath those guys, which is like I would say uh, Jericho, Orange Cassidy, Sammy Guevara, like those guys who are like t- close to touching that upper echelon, but they are still slightly under that. And then you have like your your middle tier, and then you, which is like I honestly like who again they're not untalented, they just aren't on that upper echelon. People like Pac and stuff like that, um, and. To me, I feel like then there's like these people who are like always on TV but aren't good. And what I would like to see is for them to slowly get rid of the people who aren't popular, aren't very good, don't really have any character stuff going on, who are just kind of around and taking up spots Hmm. to fill time on TV. And if you get rid of them and you fill it with these these ex expat WWE people who are slowly becoming available, who are really good and already um, established. Because the thing about the thing about CM Punk is CM Punk and Brian Danielson are in that top upper echelon because they came in fully formed. Hmm. They were mega stars. The second they walked in the door, you didn't have those. You already knew who CM Punk and Daniel Bryan are. They are 
already mega level stars. Same thing with with John Marcy. Like they come in from WWE and now they get to unleash their talent and they're no longer held back, right? Mm. Um, but you know who they are already. You bring in some of these people who are maybe going to either either reinvent themselves like Pac did or uh, get to be the same character they were before but um, get to wrestle better and do promos better and stuff like that. And you get rid of those those other people and then you have a show from top to bottom where, yeah, there's a, there's a mid-tier, there's a, there's a lower tier and stuff like that. But the talent level across the board is good. So I don't care. Yes, this one match doesn't matter as much in the grand scheme of things as maybe the main event does. But – it's going to be excellent and I'm invested because yeah, I, I like the characters and I like the, uh, the wrestlers and the, it's all good. And instead of like right now where there's a lot of people in AEW that I don't care about at all and I don't hmm. like and I would like to see them go away and make room for people who are amazing. And then I'm like this show, I, it's hard for me to criticize because – I like everything top to bottom, and I think that they are really close to doing that. Yeah, and that's I what can't I'm saying. Fall, there's, I can't, there's I can't people like because I don't want to say his name and invoke him as well as inform me, but QT Marshall can <laughs> fuck off forever. <laughs> he sucks, and I don't need to see him. Yeah, so, look, I, 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 I can't. <laughs> I, I, I cannot fault what you're saying there, except for one thing, which is that somebody is going to have to take the L's, and when you take L's your popularity and your ability to attract a dime will diminish. And so there is a requirement for those no-name, no-gimmick QT marshals because (laughs) they are the ones that eat the losses. And if you get rid of those people, you have... Look, for every winner, there is a loser. And those L's have to be distributed at some rate higher to a certain number of guys as there are others now but here but here's the thing here's the thing you get rid of qt marshall yeah and then the person who's taking those l's is somebody else who's already on the roster who is better than qt marshall but is also not doing anything and is on but then still under elevation because they take his spot and you you can. There are plenty of people who can fill that spot who are more talented than the people who are on TV all the time. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not and arguing. Then you can also I'm, I'm not add saying, these I'm, other yeah. people. And I'm yeah, not saying that you can't have be... better talented people in those positions. But my, yeah. what my, what my point is is that we started this by you saying that you know they could bring in this person and this person, they could build themselves a super roster where everyone is an absolute star or like a, a brilliant right. wrestler. But, well, but, but I some also of don't those think wrestlers they need to bring in everybody coming from WWE. I'm saying. That if they get rid of some of these people who are aren't good at all, like QT, but you end up with and, a, you end up with a top heavy organization where everybody is like a, a really good wrestler who should be winning more, and some of them are going to end up disappointed, and the fans of those people are going to be disappointed, and you're going to end up with the exact same argument that you get in WWE at the moment, which is why are they jobbing so and so out? He's great. Well, because I I don't I think that AEW more so than WWE, is very good at having that balance of, Hmm. yes, this match right now that you're, again, they have a lot of television. They have Dark and Elevation, which are very long shows with a lot of people on them. And again, they bring in people outside that aren't even contracted, right? And you can have the people who are taking the L's be people who aren't necessarily contracted to your show. And then when you sign them, maybe you, you put them on that upper track, but they they have a good job of balancing it. Mm. My point is if you, if you get rid of some of the people, they have a lot of people on the roster right now that I think 
aren't aren't very good and are just kind of there. And I would like to see those people phased out hmm. and have people on the show that are good and maybe better established characters or, or given the opportunity to reinvent themselves and create something new. And then the show is like, yeah, not everyone is going to be a main eventer, but I would much rather watch a show where like, yeah, like obviously there, there is lower tier stuff in, in wrestling. That's always the case. There are mm. people who are going to curtain jerk, but I would love for the curtain jerk match to be as good as my main event with people I like to see. And then I look at a, at, um, at a, at a pay-per-view, which costs $50, which I am not buying, but if they sign the right people and they maneuver things right, I could look at a, at a $50 pay-per-view card top to bottom and go, this is worth my $50 and I am willing to pay this because I like everybody on the show. Mm. They're very close to doing that. That is my point. Like yeah. they they can – I just want to see them get rid of the people that are terrible and fill it with people who are really good. And then the people who like don't have a lot of character but are talented can be the people who are like uh, – Filling that void that is now filled with people who just aren't doing anything. Mm. Um, in my opinion, I think that they are like really close to just being able to to have every show be must see. And obviously, the ratings are are showing that. And I love that they're starting to beat WWE in the demo every week and like mm. showing that they're powerhouse. And WWE's response to finally having competition is to uh, shoot themselves in the foot over and over again, like and not learn their lesson and not do anything different and just keep doubling down on their terrible choices is mm. been insane to watch. Cause I'm like every week I'm like WWE is making their product actively worse and AEW is <laughs> building a much better show every week. And I'm, you know, you can see it on RBR with, with people like Paul who is now very much like, and I think me and Paul are in the same boat. I loved NXT. I loved Black and Gold NXT. I loved the people who were on it. I loved the matches. Yeah. I really enjoyed the, the product. And they have dismantled it to the point where, um, you know, Scott's problem with main roster WWE and the reason why he didn't watch NXT is because people from NXT would go up to the main roster and then they would not do anything with them. They'd misuse them. And that ah, was true. Well, you see, his his mistake was watching what happened when they left NXT. He should have just right. kept <laughs> just watching NXT kept watching and ignoring NXT. everything else. Which is what everybody else was doing. And like you would kind of pay attention to the main roster, but really I liked NXT and I cared about NXT. And and at a certain point you can kind of tell that it really did become Triple H. This was his product of what he wanted wrestling to be. What Vince wanted was clearly different. Mm. And it was less of a feeder system for the main roster. And it became – Triple H being like, I am hoarding these talented people. I do not want the main roster to touch them because the, he knew they would not be utilized right and they might get fired afterwards. Yep. So he held on to these people for a really long time and it stopped acting as a feeder system. And unfortunately, they lost to AEW in the Wednesday Night Roar, which means to Vince McMahon, they were worthless. And so he didn't need it anymore. And he's dismantled it completely, made it what he wants, which is terrible. And now – I don't want to watch main roster WWE because hat one half of the people I actually like are no longer employed. Um, there's maybe like 10 people that I like. I think there's like 10 guys, 10 male wrestlers on the roster that I like. And um, it is dwindling. And how many of them are like Ali who is, who wants to be gone. You know what I mean? Like hmm. every day it feels like it's becoming less and less people I actually want to see. And then on top of that, the where they're building to if NXT means if these people come to the main roster, I don't want to see that either. So 
I don't care anymore. I haven't watched a WWE television program this year at all. Not mm. once. Um, and I'll watch the Rumble because I like the Rumble, but that's that's it. I don't care anymore. <laughs> and I liked NXT and I it, I tolerated the main roster stuff, but now I don't care about any of it anymore. Mm. Yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame. I, I just, um, I don't know. I, I think that AEW is approaching the point where it could be considered quite top heavy. And I think Tony Khan is aware of that when he pointed out a few it was like a month or so ago now he said that they weren't actively looking to bring anyone else in I I think that that is him kind of admitting that look our roster is pretty stacked at the moment anyway I think the balance is about right I don't want to end up in a position where I've got too many people to fill too few spots and again I, I think that putting on a successful wrestling show and building a promotion is about balancing things out. And and yeah, I take your point completely. The idea that, yeah, you, you can have people in those lower spots that are much more talented. But I think, you know, the reason that I enjoyed NXT so much back in the black and gold days, especially before it became the super indie, was because it was open at the top and the bottom. And what I mean by that is that they developed the talents. They brought in some indie stars who developed further. They became the top stars in the company. And after a short run at the top, they left and they went to Raw or they went to NXT, uh, to SmackDown, sorry. Um, and then the next group of people who had been quietly developing on the, the lower to upper mid card, they came up and started assuming the positions at the top. And meanwhile, people from the training center were coming in and taking those curtain jerking spots. Right. The people who developed out of, out of developmental who were good enough to be on roster would be yeah. there. And then, and they would slowly filter everybody up and it worked really well. It, it was perfect because I was a big fan of Johnny Gargano when he was signed Yeah, and and Johnny Gargano lost all the time. He mm. and Ciampa lost every week when they first came in and then people left the top part of the program and they went up to the main roster and then the mid card moved up to the main roster or to the, to the title picture. And then Johnny Gargano and Ciampa become tag team champions and mm. people who are winning in the mid card and then they leave and now they're the main eventers, right? Yeah. Like it worked and it, and slowly like they would filter people in and out. And then what they did was get rid of all of the people who were great on NXT and brought in a bunch of people who aren't good enough to be on television yet. And they are now the focus of this show. And mm. so there's only like three or four people who used to be on the show that are still around. Yeah. yeah. And I don't care anymore. But and the difference, I, the, the, hang on, the difference, yeah. the difference between what I'm saying there with NXT and AEW is that AEW doesn't have an open top where yeah. you get to the top, you're there for a little bit, and then you move on. And the bottom, they're not. And, and with all due respect to um, Tommaso Ciampa and to Johnny Gargano, who I know you would defend to the fucking death, before <laughs> they came to NXT and got that exposure, they were known on the indies, but they weren't household names in the same way that someone leaving WWE and going to AEW are because they don't have that exposure. They were so infinitely so more talented in some cases, but they didn't have that same exposure. So they had more breathing time to be able to develop, be developed in mm -hmm. that mid to upper. Yeah. And that's exactly what you're talking about. Bring in people who are talented to be in the bottom of, of, the, of, the, of the card and work their way up. But when you have that level of exposure and fame, where like a Tony Storm, for example... You can't bring in Tony Storm and then have her losing on AEW Dark every week. 
Well, I guess – well, yeah, but you could have her winning on AEW Dark against somebody who is like not that important. But the, but the thing about it is that they do – the problem is that Dynamite is the top and there isn't anywhere else besides Dynamite. Whereas like mm. you know, not only was NXT like this mid-level thing where there was – people a way to filter people out of NXT and into the main roster main roster also had two different tracks to go into even once you got there so there was plenty of space and AEW doesn't quite have that yet even though they have four shows and plenty plenty of time and plenty of space my point is just that you can definitely and again I don't want them to sign everybody and I don't think everybody should be signed by them and I don't think everybody fits in the AEW's model but like People like Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano are people who, coming from NXT, I think would be a perfect fit on AEW. Ali is another one. Uh, there's a lot of these people that I really think uh, could could add to that. And maybe again, they maybe they're not they're they're not main event guys yet. They're going to be on the mid card for a long time. Potential TNT champions maybe down the line, but. I'm okay with that. I don't need Johnny Gargano to come into AEW and be a main eventer. He could be no, a no, lower tier guy. He doesn't need to be a main eventer, but no. I, I think that they just need to be judicious in who they pick and choose to bring and in. You, and, and you have a point because it was easy to get to, like you said, they it was a system that was working. The problem is the main roster would misutilize people and then they'd leave, but mm. it was a system that was working. And the other thing that I think is very interesting that I just want to point out is that I think it's very clear that even though this seems like it's a complete step back for for Triple H, it definitely seems to me that the reason why Johnny Gargano and Adam Cole, uh, who were the Triple H darlings that they were, um, agreed to – Oh, uh, and and um, Kyle O'Reilly was another one. Mm-hmm. Agreed to stick around and keep wrestling as their contract expired, even though they could have jumped ship and left, is because they wanted Brian Danielson too. Uh, they wanted to still have decent ties with WWE and not yeah. burn that bridge. Yeah. Because I do think that I would not be surprised if the conversation was like Triple H says to these guys, one day he's gonna be gone, and this is gonna be my show again. Yeah, and when that time it. comes it's not going to be is it though because what's going to happen the problem is, is nick khan's going to sell it we we need a shakespearean <laughs> style thing to happen here i i we're gonna have to have some uh a two hunter yeah something's gonna have to happen because the problem is it doesn't seem like that's likely but if and, and honestly god it, it better happen sooner there's not going to be anything left to sell yeah <laughs> because yeah, yeah. wow is it there's going to come a point everything that they have like, there will really come a point where the value of the business actually starts to drop at the moment they're making record profits and they're releasing people but how many times can you release assets before you well, know the problem is you keep ruining fan interest and it's like okay you're making yeah. profit but who's going to be around watching anymore well because... you won't be making profit after a while because at some point the the fan base yeah. is your profit margin and, and if they stop spending you're not making profit anymore so yeah it's uh anyway wrestling <laughs> no i i agree with you i, I think AEW could definitely um, benefit from picking up one or two, but I, I think what's important for them and what I would like to see, because I got so sick of Impact basically being the place where WWE people went when they either lost their jobs or in the very rare occasions decided to leave and move on. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it just felt like it was, well, this is what WWE would be like if it was run slightly differently. Not even slightly better, just slightly differently. And I mm-hmm. feel like AEW is very quickly becoming the land where you see what WWE would look like if it was run competently. But mm-hmm. not necessarily better or worse or differently. Or And I don't want to feel like that with AEW. I want to feel like I'm watching something new and interesting. And that's why the Forbidden Door stuff was so cool, because you were seeing uh, people from New Japan come over. You were seeing people from Impact who didn't necessarily have history. Thunder Rosa is huge, and she's never been in WWE. Like, I think for every person that they bring in that's like just left WWE, they should be looking to get somebody up from the indies or from a smaller promotion uh like somebody that's maybe on nwa that is on their way up like um what's his name ricky starks for example that has worked superbly well for them ricky starks is a fucking star um i just wish he was used a bit more but you know that that notwithstanding you know like hook has been a brilliant success never been in wrestling before until now like they have all of these potential stars that they're bringing up but Unfortunately, whenever somebody mentions AEW make a new signing, I immediately think, oh God, which WWE star have they got this time? And it's just like, I want something fresh. I don't just want to see John Moxley versus Daniel Bryan part two. You know. I do, I, I, I do want to see that. I mean, I do want to see it, but you know what the, you know what I mean when I say that. Like, there, there are certain... Like Adam, but, Ola, but Adam also, Golden. but also to be fair, mm. and, this is, and this is what I was talking about when, you know, to me... And I don't think this is a bad thing. Adam Cole in AEW is Adam Cole from NXT. He's just in AEW now. And that's great because what he was doing in NXT was good. And this is fine, right? Yeah. But also, you you say, I don't want to – we, you know, we, we saw Dean Ambrose versus Daniel Bryan before. Like this isn't new. But God, John Moxley versus Brian Danielson is a whole fucking different story. Yes, no, absolutely. They're the like, same the, the guys, level of but brutality that so they can bring in the ring there from, is different from what it was. No, yeah, absolutely. Because John Moxley is off the leash away from WWE. He's a, although, and <laughs> I'll get so much flack for this if anyone actually listens to this. <laughs> I feel like John Mac- John Moxley basically has the same match. He just has it with different people. Um, <laughs> like, he brawls you on the what, outside. Maybe, I haven't paid enough attention to know if that's true or not, and, that, and maybe that's possible. But I know Brian Danielson has had really great matches with everybody, oh, yeah, and, look, I, and not, I love Mox as a character, look, and I, I'm excited love, to see what these two can do I love together. John Moxley, and the idea of him versus uh, Suzuki made me wet, like, <laughs> you know, just mentally and physically. Um, like, I'm not saying that I dislike that type of match at all, and it suits him brilliantly. But it is very much a John Moxley match. It's like, we're going to brawl for a bit on the outside. Then I'm going to get a table out. Then I might get a barbed wire baseball bat if you're lucky. Um, one of us will bust open hard way and it'll end when I put you through a table. Um, like it's pretty much the template for any match that he had in a, in, uh, in New Japan. Um, it's a template that has worked well for him in big matches in AEW. I'd be lying if I said that I've seen all of his AEW stuff, so I don't know. But every time that I've watched a match that he's had in AEW or New Japan, it's very much followed that template. And there's nothing wrong with wrestling to a template, but I do wish that things were mixed up slightly every now and then. Um, Mm -hmm. 
that but, but you know I, I don't want to be bashing john moxley because like he's a great wrestler and he's been through some shit recently and, here's, and i'm glad here's to see the other thing the i didn't i didn't watch the rampage match yet mm. um but to me i'm interested to see what a difference between um struggling mox and sober moxes yeah because uh, he looks so much more healthy now and mm-hmm. so i'm really interested to see uh if there is if because i i do feel like there was a time where where he could have really great interesting matches with people and maybe maybe that stale part that you're talking about is something that came recently and it's maybe possible. it will be better now that he's healthier who knows uh i would like this see if, if it makes a difference it's because possible, he definitely looks yeah. better no it's definitely possible i i just um just, this is this is gonna this is gonna make me feel dirty just saying it but i kind of <laughs> wish that he would just bring more of what he did in wwe into AEW as much as i've just complained about AEW feeling like wwe run well um mm. but yeah like that i think that that's my main thing that i would like to see is like yeah by all means bring in talent that is going to make your roster better and give you more diversity within the roster but don't forget that you've had success recruiting unknowns and relatively unknowns from smaller organizations and you should be you know the reason why to an extent pepsi did as well as it did for a certain amount of time in the cola wars was because it offered something different, not because it was aping Coca-Cola's formula, but because they came up with their own formula that tasted a bit different, but they said tasted better. And that's kind of what you want in wrestling. You want something that is basically the same as what your competitors are offering, but with a different flavor to it. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, you can still have some of the same ingredients in there, but don't forget that it's the new and the and and the interesting that keeps people coming back like hook is the talk of the town at the moment and he's never wrestled anywhere else mm-hmm. um suzuki got them a huge amount of interest because they didn't play the end of his song you know like and suzuki is not someone that has been in wwe or will ever be in wwe uh there's um will hobbs is an amazing talent and like he is fresh to a lot of people's eyes including my own <laughs> Uh, Bear Country are an interesting looking tag team, big men, horrible looking masks. But, you know, again, something different, not seen it anywhere else before. They're doing the right things, but I just, I, I, I want them to get that balance right between recruiting from WWE and recruiting from other places and bringing fresh blood in because there's only so much, there's only so many times you can breathe recycled air before it gets stale you know? Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's the concern with major wrestling promotions is it, it all feels a little bit inbred because you're just having the same talents going everywhere. Like, Oh great. It's sting, but at least they're doing something different with him where he's doing more of this kind of manager mentor thing with um, Darby Allen. Like Mm -hmm. it feels interesting and different and it justifies him being there. Um, but I was—I won't lie—I was very worried when they first brought him in that this was just, you know, a stunt signing to get people to tune in because it's Sting after all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I, I like AEW. I want them to succeed. I would watch it more if ITV actually had a clue and featured it more prominently on their channels. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and maybe I should make more effort with it, but I've kind of been off of most wrestling for a little while and I'm I'm just dipping my toe back into it with New Japan. They had Wrestle Kingdom at the beginning of the year. I always watch that regardless. And NWA because it's on YouTube for free. And I watch the occasional bit of AEW Dark uh, because that's on YouTube as well. Basically, if you make it easy for me to watch, I will watch. That's the <laughs> long and the short of it. Um, and that's what wrestling companies need to do to succeed, which is why Major League is really struggling because apparently WWE told Fox that they were pissed off that MLW was going to get a streaming deal with one of their subsidiaries. But well, what I would love to see right now happen is for uh, MLW, AEW, Impact, and uh, um, uh, what else did I just? What else did we just mention? What was the other New Japan? Uh, New Japan, there was another, uh, New Japan, another Impact, company. MLW, NWA. Um, Act, AEW, all those guys. I just want to see them uh, basically enact the ending of uh, of um, Death Proof uh, with WWE <laughs> in the center and everybody just takes turns <laughs> beating the <laughs> shit out of them until they're dead. <laughs> Either that or Disney buys them. Oh, God. Actually, do you know what? I wouldn't mind if Disney bought them because at least I would get them on Disney+. Plus. Well, I also think that maybe they would make a better product than Vince. It would be fam- <laughs> Well, it wouldn't have to be family-friendly, though, would it? Because they could put it on Star or whatever the fuck it's called. Well, for you. Do you not get Star over in the US? Nope. What? Nope. Well, you still get the adult content, though, through other channels or what? Three different services. Um, uh, a lot of like what you guys will get on Star is usually on Hulu, so you have to get a Hulu subscription because it's not included with Disney Plus. Oh, Hulu's owned by Disney, isn't it? I forget that from time to time. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So they they do own that now. But well, it wouldn't make you know. any difference for you then because WWE's already on Hulu. <laughs> well, shit. So that was a good Marvel talk. Yeah, so um, for those who have uh, managed to survive the somewhat 47 minutes of uh, wrestling talk, welcome to the Marvel (laughs) section of the show. Um, It's getting late here, so we're probably going to keep this reasonably succinct. But Yeah, this isn't, I I think this isn't going to be as much of us covering everything as much as it's going to be us just kind of being like, what uh, did you think kind of thing? Yeah, general thoughts on some stuff. I wouldn't mind talking about some stuff that's coming up too, just uh, a little bit. But uh, yeah. We haven't done a Marvel episode since uh, Loki wrapped, right? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. We were planning on coming back for uh, Pizza Dog, but uh, we we never did. Um, So, yeah, we're going to talk about Pizza Dog and uh, some guy called Hawkeye, among other things. Mm What do you think of it? Hawkeye was a lot of fun. Hmm. I wasn't expecting that cameo in the last two episodes. Uh, I did. I was expecting it because I I just felt like it seemed like it was the logical thing to happen. I mean, it kind of made sense to me. And I was watching it a few weeks after the finale. Uh, Actually, no, sorry. I tell a lie. I was watching it the week after the finale hit. So I feel like through osmosis on Twitter, I might have picked up on certain references that made me think that it was a possibility. But certainly, like, um, the whole uncle thing, I was like, oh, okay, we're in New York, big crime lord, could it be? And I was like, no. And then I saw that they were... A lot of big guy references, a lot of Fat Man Auto, like, it definitely was, like, hinted. And 
to me, it's here's what's funny. What I think is hilarious is that the way we started the year with the Disney Plus shows, with WandaVision, which immediately grabbed everybody's attention uh, and felt like there was some big surprise coming at the end. Mm. And then it didn't happen. There was no big surprise at the end. Um, made everyone like weary. And then Captain America and the Winter Soldier did not have a um, big surprise thing in it either. Although that one didn't feel like it was going to. Um, and then Loki ends the way it ends. And then Hawkeye ends the way it ends. And you go, these are the like end surprises everybody felt like it was going to come at the end of WandaVision. Now we're actually getting those. Mm, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, th- I think they've realized what people want and mm-hmm. they're giving it to us. Like they're absolutely giving it to us in spades. This this show, man, like there are so many fun things about it. And like I, I just want to start with Florence Pugh because I I can't decide if it's an offensive Russian accent or the best Russian accent I've ever heard. But either way, I really enjoy hearing it coming out of her mouth. Um mm-hmm. she's just so much fun. And like the, the I, I heard someone else saying uh, on another podcast that they literally just wanted the conversation between her and um i can't remember the main character's name now um lady hawkeye <laughs> kate, kate bishop kate bishop yes um how could i forget her name when almost half the conversation was florence Pugh saying good bishop um, <laughs> anyway regardless I kind of just wish that that scene could go on forever. And if we don't get some kind of double-hander legacy team-up movie where the new Hawkeye teams up with the new Black Widow. Oh, it's it's got to be what they're doing. It has to happen, right? It's it's one of those things that's so obvious that I'm just waiting for them to announce it. The chemistry Um, was just off the fucking scale with those two. Well, here's the thing. The first scene... That we get – well, I guess no. The first thing is she just pops up. The second episode where we open – the cold open is her uh, back in 2019 before she blips. There is a uh, – not blink and you miss it because it's almost like 80-yard line that is happening while you don't see the other people who are talking. But somebody says like, oh, Florence like always wanted – or Florence. Um, Yelena – Oh, now, well, as soon as they're done doing all of this stuff, Yelena can have the Sex in the City style New York <laughs> thing she's always wanted to have or whatever. It's so fucking obvious they are going to team these two up. And then the I rest of so. this show is them, like, having incredible chemistry, being very friendly to each other. Um, and you're like, okay, it's only a matter of time before these two have a show together or something. God, I um, hope so. And I can't wait because they are perfect for each other. There are so many things. And that's what I want when I want to talk about future stuff. There's a lot of stuff that's building right now where you're like, I can definitely see how these can maybe connect. And it's not all like everyone just be an Avenger. Uh, Kate and Yelena can be Avengers, I think, someday. But they could also just hang out and do street level shit at a New York apartment for a while. And I yeah. go, oh, yeah, you built it and it's perfect. <laughs> like, it's right there. Yeah, yeah, I think like Marvel, certainly the MCU um, exclusive of Netflix because Netflix definitely did that street level thing fairly well. 
I don't think that the MCU has ever really worried about street level stuff. Um, Spider-Man doesn't really, and certainly, okay, technically all of the Spider-Man movies are now canon to the MCU. Um, <laughs> thanks to something, I, which I haven't I seen yet. I would say that they're, they're not canon to the MCU because the MCU is its own thing, but they well, they're canon exist to the, in the, they exist in the way that everything exists. That's what I mean. Like that, <laughs> we because, exist in the MCU technically, if you want to get real. Great. <laughs> great. I'm all for it. But you know what I yeah. mean? Like technically they all occur within the auspice of the MCU. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, like because like all those are in there now. I'm just like, I, I just, I, 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 yeah, I, I'm not sure that the MCU movies ever really worried about dealing with street level stuff. Um, and and now of course, uh, that the uh, the 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 home series of Spider Man movies kind of went more for that kind of street level vibe, but. Still managed well, to. Well, for some... the first movie, and they did for the first one. Mad. Yeah, the, the second one they kind of went balls out, but yeah. Um... And then, and uh, shocker, not a much of it in the third one either. <laughs> if yeah. you can imagine, no, no pun intended with the whole shocker thing either. Um, yeah, <laughs> redesigns are a great thing. Um, I've still not watched that movie, and I, I, I probably know more about it than I should. But there we go. Never mind. Yeah. I've, I've, it's been ruined for me by now. I don't really care. I'm just disappointed that there weren't a huge number of fans who weren't disappointed because they were all hoping for something to happen, and it happened. And I was and hoping it, it would. So happen. you would have definitely known. If it I, I would have. I, honestly, I really would have liked it if it hadn't happened, just because I'm a really miserable bastard who likes <laughs> it seeing been people. Funny. It would have been funny if they'd never showed up. It really would have been. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm hopeful that maybe they're going to tackle more of the street level stuff with this new generation of heroes because Echo, remember Echo has her own spin-off that's going to be mm-hmm. coming down the line and she definitely feels like a uh an anti-hero slash hero who is going to focus more on the street level um aspects of the MCU universe. Uh, Kate also Bishop's think a couple of people might be coming back for that too just putting connecting some dots quite possibly um but yeah so and, and you've got kate bishop's uh hawkeye and uh yelena's black widow as well who definitely can exist on that street level um mm-hmm. level so yeah i'm really excited because this show because hawkeye is is pretty street level shit it, it is. As far until, as the MCU is concerned, this is pretty, this is the most they've done, I think. I mean, it definitely fits more in the street level stuff, but at the same time, like, you can fight aliens with trick arrows. So, you know, really, <laughs> what does it matter? Um, it's, it's pretty street level considering that some of the, some of the street level henchmen, uh, were turned into bird food at the end. Of yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you know. Um, but I, I was really, really happy. I had no idea that a character called Swordsman existed. Um, but I fucking love the guy. Um, the guy that's dating Kate's mother is just, he's so good. So, Great. so good. I'd love to see more of him. I they, would. They definitely teased that there might be more of him someday. I would love to see more of him. He's great. Yeah. like, And, and he starts off being such a sketchy character and you suspect him. Of course you do because it's super obvious that it must be him because like he, he bought the sword and then what's his face was found murdered. and But just like it just turns out he's just really unlucky in that he looks sketchy but he's really not he's actually quite a nice guy (laughs) i never i never bought into it i always felt like he was an obvious red herring because um Mm. 
Armand says, I don't trust your mom, but he doesn't say anything about uh, him. You know what I mean? Like he never says, yeah. oh, and also that both, oh, this relationship's not going to work. Both these guys are sketchy. It was mm-hmm. your mom is sketchy and I don't like that he's getting married to her, which made me go, oh, he's probably not that bad of a guy. It's probably fine. Yeah. It was a little bit obvious when he was offering like monogram toffees and stuff. I don't know. Yeah. But I, I that like too. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like him. I, I think he was a, a brilliant little addition, like a little background character who, despite the fact I wasn't aware of who he was, once I found out that he's actually based on an established character in the MC, uh, in the, in the Marvel uh, Comics universe, uh, mm-hmm. which is also MCU, um, I was like, oh, you, you had the balls to do that. Bravo. Bravo. Like they always find really imaginative ways to bring these characters in. Um, I was also quite impressed that they managed to keep themselves from making Joker into a full clown makeup version of the character. Um, the guy that's in a relationship with Echo, apparently his name in the comics is... Yeah, apparently his name in the comics is Joker. Who'd have thought it? I really liked Kazi. I think they killed him at the end, which is a disappointment because I liked him. But uh, he's good in this. It's a shame that that Marvel continue to have this fixation with killing all of their good bad guys at the end of movies (laughs) and TV shows because I, I feel like you could make such an interesting story with a lot of the characters that they've offed prematurely. And like Baron Zemo is an excellent example of why you shouldn't give a villain a definitive end because you never know when you might want to bring them back and, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, and, and maybe do them better service in a subsequent story than they initially yeah. got. Um, slowly, I think they are learning that lesson, but, Unfortunately, there are always going to be characters that are going to end up dying because it establishes that there are stakes involved, and you know, storytellers love stakes. Um, and, and and I also like the fact that now that What If exists, that they can bring back actors that come back and revisit characters afterwards, which is fun. They have a multiverse as well now, so they could always bring sure. back a different version of Ulysses. And we've established time travel. There's plenty of ways for people to come yeah, back. Yeah, absolutely, now. absolutely. Death means nothing in comics, does it? And mm-hmm. apparently not in cinema. The only either. the only thing is, I can't imagine that Kazi somehow gets brought back to life. <laughs> no, no, I think he's definitely gone. Um, yeah. I just thought he was an interesting character. It's just a shame that we won't get any more interaction between him and Echo. Uh, mm-hmm. But there we go. It is what it is. Yeah, I liked it overall. Pizza Dog, massive standout character for me. Love, Best character in the Pizza series. Dog. Love Kate Bishop. Love Yelena in this. Uh, really like what they did with clint uh a lot of emotional stuff i god that's what probably one of the best scenes in the whole show is the scene where uh clint's hearing it is broken and he gets mm. a call from his son and kate's like writing down what his son's saying yeah ah oh. i also love excellent the- acting but from both of them it's and and really well done like it was the way they shoot it and everything is it's very very well done i, I really like that scene clint's family is always that emotional tie that really kind of grounds you and makes mm-hmm. you realize that some of these people actually have a lot at stake um and i like that they've continued to show his family and and maybe explained that his wife has a little bit more to do with shield than we initially thought right um, i like i like that and i also like that this show ended in a way where like if we never see clint again Mm. it's okay yeah it's his, a good ending his story for his is wrapped up in a way that i don't really think if he ha- if he never comes back it would be that big of a deal and you could just have kate bishop be the new hawkeye yeah. and yeah that's also, okay also the actor is a little bit problematic so 
you know, I know maybe exactly. We don't so need to, maybe <laughs> we don't need to bring him back anyway. Um, there was one more thing I wanted to mention. What was it? Oh God. No, it's gone. It's gone. That's a shame. But we also, we also have Kingpin back now and it is the Netflix yep. version. And I, I'm excited to see him back in, for sure, because he's not dead. I'm sure he's back in Echo. Oh, yeah. There's no way that he dies off screen. If there's anything that I learned from Game of Thrones, um, or Game of Thorns, as uh, as Brent Hibbard calls it, uh, <laughs> I don't know why, but it's something that he's continued to do on Let's Talk About Stuff. Um, well, they both do, actually. I, I, I shouldn't just give Brent all of the um, all, all of the, the, uh, the glory there. Anyway, uh, I'm, I'm sidetracking. Um, it's that uh, if you die off screen, you didn't die yet. Um, yeah, because the hound. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Let's let's not forget the hound. Well, and also I love how how physically scary and intimidating they made him in this because like in the Netflix show, him slamming that guy in a car door was the was the thing that made everyone go, oh, Kingpin mm-hmm. is physically scary as well as actually intimidating as an actor and a presence. Uh, but then he does that, you go, oh no, like I'm actually afraid to like fight him because he's clearly very strong mm. and then this show in one episode basically went like yeah you could shoot this guy point blank with an arrow you could run him over with a car you could blow him up yeah. and it doesn't matter because he is I, just fucking unstoppable which is really cool <laughs> i i wonder because it's, it's obviously it's the same actor playing kingpin um and it's the same delivery of the lines he's using the same voice and everything which would be difficult for him not to i suppose but anyway um I have heard a, fe- a theory that he's kind of like the version, the, the Netflix version of the MCU that we experienced isn't the mainline 616 version of the MCU that we've seen in the movies. And it's actually a very slight variation. So even though we do have the Kingpin in this, and from what I've heard, we may very well have Matt Murdock as well. I'll find out tomorrow mm-hmm. for sure. They're not technically the exact same versions that we saw on Netflix. They are that, the same actors and the same characters, but they're slightly varied versions. That's and I, I agree with that. And the fact mm. that Loki established the variants, I think it's very easy to just say uh, the Netflix shows happen just like just like Spider Man and Amazing Spider Man. Though you borrowed those characters and brought them into the MCU in the vast multiverse. Those shows happened, mm. but they might not have been in our MCU. And mostly that's just so that it's easy from a story point, storytelling standpoint to say, well, not everything that happened in those shows happened here. Maybe some of it did, some of it didn't. It's the Star Wars Legends thing yeah. where yeah. everyone was like, oh, they took all those books and said they, they're not canon anymore. And they only did that so that they can do their own thing without having to be like, but this book says that that's not the case Hmm. while also being like, yeah, but also that stuff had some cool things and we're going to use them. Yeah. So now it's like star Wars legends, which I always interpreted as people in the star Wars universe talk about these things may be happening. It's a legend and some of it is true and some of it is not. And we can kind of handpick what's going to be canon going forward. Hmm. We don't have to get rid of all of it. And so this way it's like, are they the same? Kind of, but there isn't dragon bones underneath the city. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm just going to really just hold on to the hope that they bring back the rest of the Netflix um, Defenders cast because they're all awesome. And I think they all did a really great job in their respective series, especially Jessica Jones. Iron Fist. 
I mean, you can retcon Iron Fist. I think get rid of him, and I think everybody else can come back. I, I didn't mind his portrayal. I, I just wonder if maybe the series was just a bit weak. I, I feel I just, like I just his know lack of ability was an issue. That was always the one, including in the Defender show, everyone didn't like him. Um, that was kind of the universal thing I always heard was this show wasn't good yeah. and his his uh, his appearances weren't good. And I, I think if you just get rid of him, I think everybody else would be fine. I, don't I didn't, think I didn't mind him. I minded the fact that the story seemed to be based almost exclusively around exclusively. Sorry, pardon my English around his um, inability to use the Iron Fist, which is kind oh. of dumb for a show called Iron Fist. Well, and then I think it's also a big part of it, too, is behind the scenes, the actor didn't try and, like, wouldn't participate in, like... Oh, really? The basic stuff that you need to do for action sequences. So they have, like, this martial arts guy who doesn't know martial arts and refuses to learn and actually do it. So... Yeah. That was another thing. So... I don't think the people working on the shows liked him either. Okay. Well, bring Bring back everyone else and recast him as an American Asian, and um, that'll be fine. No problem with that at all. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I I do think that they're gonna be bringing back some of these guys. I it seems like that seems to be the case. This was a good move. People liked it, and people like those Netflix shows. And I think that that seems to be where they're they're moving. And I and I do think it might be like a eh, we're not gonna keep everything canon. It's the same actors. Yeah. They look the same because they're well. Variants. Yeah, there there could be legal reasons why they're not allowed to be the exact same character as well. I that also is a possibility. Yeah, I don't know what the agreement between Netflix and um, and Marvel was, but you could argue perhaps that Marvel haven't got carte blanche to use the IP of Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. But anyway, yeah. So that was pretty good. I I enjoyed it. I I really did enjoy Hawkeye. I thought it was it was decent. Uh, I know some people said it was maybe slightly underwhelming, but I didn't think so. I, I thought it was a pretty decent story. Lots of interesting characters introduced into the mix, and um, it's made me very excited for the future uh, buddy cop uh, series of Hawkeye and um, and Black Widow. So yeah, um, should we talk a little bit about something that didn't fill me with as much optimism, <laughs> which is, I mean, it was fine, but when you watch a Marvel movie, fine doesn't really cut it these days. Eternals. Mm-hmm. Um, look, there's, I wouldn't say it's a bad movie, but I certainly came out of it having felt like I'd experienced something, but I'm not entirely sure what I experienced or it just, I, I, I listened to a couple of people uh, different people reviewing this uh, show, uh, including the the boys on Let's Talk About Stuff when they talked about Eternals. And I pretty much mirror everything that they said about it in terms of you're trying to introduce a 10-strong team of superheroes. You're trying to introduce new theories about how the universe started, why the Earth is the Earth, and you expect us to take all of this in in a two-hour movie... And also the bad guy is one of the least charismatic members of the team to begin with. <laughs> like, it's an issue, isn't it? <laughs> That's the problem. I, I, I agree that I would say this probably, Eternals probably fell on like the like upper middle tier of my entire list of movies I saw this year. Like it's, mm. it, it's, it's like, okay, maybe a little bit better than okay, but it's, it's not, there's other movies like I like, 
maybe I I would say I liked elements of Black Widow more. Um, and I would say I liked Shang-Chi and um, oh, yeah. Noah Home way more than Eternals. And Eternals was kind of like this middle of the road, but it was okay. Um, I like a lot of stuff in it. And I'm excited to see where what the future holds for some of these characters and some of the ideas that are introduced. Mm. But I don't know if I would be like, Oh, I'm going to rewatch Eternals. <laughs> no, um, I've, I've definitely felt that way as well. I, I, I've got no inclination now that it's on Disney plus to go back and watch it again. Um, I, I just, feel I might, like I might too watch much it with the commentary on. just out of curiosity. Cause I think Chloe Zhao is an interesting person. And oh, possibly, I thought yeah. it was super interesting how many DC references were in it. And I felt it felt closer to a DC movie in a lot of I've ways. Heard a lot of people, I heard a lot of people say that. And I, I think it's probably because it's slightly darker in tone. Um, I, I, I just, I just feel... the look of it. It just, it doesn't, it didn't look the same as all the other Marvel movies, no. which I'm fine with. No, I appreciate uh, and, you trying and, and something different. And also, I think it, it, it also is the fact that outside of like, despite they were basically referencing Marvel stuff as if it was happening in this world and DC stuff as if it happened in comics and movies and stuff, but they referenced them the same way. They, none of these characters appeared. You mentioned Iron Man or Captain America or Thanos, but you also mentioned Batman and Alfred and Superman. Yeah. So I, mean, I didn't mind they're just that. Kind of, you don't see anybody. It doesn't really look like the MCU. Mm. Most of the stuff in it is very like you know consequential to its own thing. So mm. it does feel like it's its own thing, which is cool. I I think that's an interesting aspect of it. I that's not a criticism, but it does feel like it's yeah. it's a little bit uh on its own. I think the the, the biggest problem for the movie is the fact that it takes about three movies worth of content and crams it into one film mm-hmm. um at the very least i think there's two movies worth here like the setup and the delivery but i don't know like the, I, I like the team i think there's some actors here that i i really enjoy um it's interesting to me that the big a-lister angelina jolie is probably the one that has the least amount of screen time and is the least um investable character even though they give her this big story where like she's um she's got uh this uh, problem where she's remembering previous lives and uh you know so i can't she feels that. more like a plot element than a character she really does yeah yeah and um, and to me i think walking away from this this is basically my my big stance on eternals there are some good moments uh there's some interesting ideas i walked away from this movie saying i would like to see um about four of these guys going forward mm. and I'm totally cool with them becoming a part of the ensemble. Um, just like on the level of like a Don Cheadle war machine. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like mm. give me, give me Brian Tyree, Henry, Henry, Kamel Nanjiani, Barry Keoghan. Um, uh, I always forget. I don't know the actress's name and I always forget the character's name. But their speedster, I really liked. I really liked. Oh that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Makari. Makari, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Gemma Chen, if she shows up again or not, it's fine. I didn't find her super compelling as a character. <laughs> the main character in the movie, ah, she, she can turn. She up wasn't that. Okay. She was kind of boring. Um, and the other characters had a lot more personality. So if we're moving forward with characters who are going to be hanging out in the MCU, Camille uh, to me is is like, of course. Yeah, keep him around. Brian Tyree Henry, 
can kind of fill the void of an Ivan man in terms of his, what he does, right? Like mm-hmm. you, these guys can pop in and out of these things and, and have a lot to do. And I'd be happy to have them as part of the ensemble. Um, I was shocked at how cool I thought Barry Keoghan was in this. Yeah. He's always like a really like kind of, you know, wormy dude and everything else. But he like, and it, he seems like he's going to be like a really wormy dude in this. And, and then he like, once they recruit him, he's walking around in a leather jacket. He's fucking cool as shit. And I'm like, wait, uh, this is awesome. <laughs> uh, so I would like to see Makari, Druig, um, Fastos, and uh, Kango in stuff going forward. And Jim no. Chen can be around. That's fine. Uh, Cersei, she was okay. I'm, I, um, I, you're, you're missing one here that I, I, I'm disgusted in you that you've huh? not. Gilgamesh, man. Well, he's dead. I don't care. Bring him back. It's a I also movie. would like him back. I also liked him a lot. And I would also like him to be around. I only didn't mention him because he and Ajax are dead. So it's like I just kind of <laughs> moved on from them. And and and, and uh, of course, Icarus flew into the sun. I don't know if Richard Madden's coming back to this either. But I will say, I when we got the the end credits, also got me excited because mm. I I I am kind of excited to see Harry Styles in the future of these MCU movies. Yeah, that that was an interesting um end credit thing. And I I love the fact that um he's introduced by the the little troll imp thing whose mm-hmm. name I can't remember, but I know that he was voiced by Pat Oswalt. Pat Oswalt, that's right. Um and he, he's introduced as the brother of Thanos and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, "Wait, hang on. So are you actually saying that the Eternals are the same as they are in the books where they're actually the same as... Because in in the comic books, if I remember correctly, the Eternals and the Deviants, the Deviants are basically just mutations of of Eternals. And the reason that Thanos was um, such a a, a naughty boy is because he is kind of half... He's half Eternal, half Deviant kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but then they kind of got rid of that in this movie where they said, well, the deviants are these things that we created to keep the humans safe, but then we needed to keep the humans safe from the deviants, so we created the Eternals. <laughs> it's just yeah. like, show me an Eternal that's going to fuck a deviant. Go on. There you mm-hmm. um, So now I don't oh, know Angelina what Thanos Jolie. is. Oh, well, there you go. Um, so now I don't know what Thanos is. Um, is he a genetically created robot? Like, like I don't even know what the Eternals are. Are they cyborgs? I, it's confusing. They're kind to of, me. they're kind of weird. Um, they're like, they are like cyborgs, right? Like they're they're all they're organic, but of. they're robots and they're fused with they're cosmic like, energy. I would, and I think that's a an interesting way of putting it. Um, and that's but, a problem with him this movie. showing up they at the end. I was like excited about. I feel like they're going to bring. My theory is that they're also around the same time going to be introducing um, um, Adam Warlock, and Pip is usually Adam Warlock's sidekick, and I feel like that's going to happen. That oh, that would be fun. They'll end up they, getting crossing paths, and he's going to end up being hanging out with him. They teased Adam Warlock, didn't they, at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy they've, Part Two? They've casted Adam Warlock. Oh, I didn't know they cast him. I just knew that they teased the. Concept. Yeah, no, he's he's in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. They cast him already. Oh, nice. Who got cast? Will Poulter. Will Poulter. 
I should know Will Porter. You'll, you'll, as soon as you look him up, you'll know who it is. Oh, Will Porter. I never would have had him down as Adam Warlock. I always had Adam Warlock down as a slightly more chiseled, older fella. Yeah. Not like really old, but like, you know, like late 30s or whatever. Yeah. Huh. But okay. uh, yeah, he's in Guardians of the Galaxy 3. They already announced that he's cast and uh, he's been filming with them. So that's happening. Okay. So, uh, but I think I think the rumor is Harry's signed on to multiple shows like most people get when they join the MCU is. And I, I think it'd be cool to see him pop up again. I'm excited for that, actually. I I've, think it'll be kind of cool. I've never seen he's him. He's good casting act. for that character, I think. I've never seen him in an acting role, so... I don't know, until then. But he was literally just standing there looking pleased with himself, which is basically neutral <laughs> for Harry Styles. Like, he always looks like that. Maybe that's uh, the look for he's good. Star he's Fox. really good in Dunkirk. He's not like... Oh, he was in Dunkirk, wasn't yeah. he? I keep forgetting, because I was so entranced by that film just in general, and actually yeah. by the uh, the fighter pilot story, which... But so is, but so is Barry Keoghan. Apparently, they both got class. But the reason why... Barry Keoghan and Harry Styles got cast in Eternals is because Chloe's, Chloe Zhao likes to work with actors who've worked with Christopher Nolan before. So if they've worked with Christopher mm. Nolan, then that means that they're good enough that she likes to work. You know what I mean? Like it's not good enough, but like she likes if, – if Christopher Nolan likes them, she likes them. You she know what I mean? Have, she should have more faith in her ability to cast actors – Rather than, you know what I mean? Like, I, and this isn't a criticism because, again, this is someone that's done doing something at a much higher level than I could ever dream of doing. Um, but, like, if, you, if you're the director of a Hollywood movie, have enough faith in either yourself or your casting director to pick actors that can do the job. Like, don't pick someone just because, oh, well, they work for so and so, so they no, must I be think good. No, I, it's not like that. I think it's like she, she respects his choices. Yeah. So if he wants to work with them, then she's like, I'm interested in working with them because they worked with this guy and I like what I like the people he picks. You know what I mean? So she's like, yeah. oh, okay. I'm intrigued by him. I'm going to cast him in my movie because they worked with this guy and I like it. I like how this guy cast mm. people. Mm. So I want to oh, work with them. Um, I don't think it's like, oh, just because they were in Dunkirk, I'm putting him in my movie. It's just like, oh, I like what people is- who – you know, I that that have worked with him before because I I think he picks good choices. Yeah, I mean, so. there, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, if you see someone in a film and you think, "Oh my god, that was an amazing performance," I must work with them because you know I, I I've seen plenty of films where I was like, "God, if I was ever making a movie, I would cast that actor." I don't know where, what I would cast them as, but I I would have to have them in my film because they're just amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, but I've never been like. Well, I'm going to limit myself to whoever Steven Spielberg has worked with because clearly he knows a good actor. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think it's like that. I think it's like. Yeah. No, I get you. I yeah. get you. It's just that's how um, it came across initially. I think. Right. Um, but yeah, I I think it's cool that they're. Um, I, I'm interested to see what he does in the future, uh, and then the other end credit scene is where I'm really interested uh, in seeing where that goes. Mm. Um. Because you essentially have uh, Dane Whitman introduced in this, in the future. This I am very excited by. Huh? This I am quite excited by. Yeah. Dane Dane Whitman, played by Kit Harington, um, looking at the Ebony Blade, thinking about picking it up. And then you hear Mahershala Ali's blade being like, you sure you want to do that? And I'm like... 
all right what the black fuck has Knight blade got blade. to do with black knight yeah like, <laughs> and do you want to know where i think this is going are they hunting vampires in london i well here's the thing they're uh blade is vampires which is supernatural black knight's got a spooky sword that's mm. supernatural they're both in london and you know who else is in london if you say Morbius, I'm going to lose my nope, fucking No, not mind. Morbius. Starts with them, though. Comes uh, out March 30th. Moon Knight, baby! Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> okay. Moon Knight, Blade, Black Knight together, team up, doing supernatural shit. Um, <laughs> potentially, I think the rumor is like maybe it's like a Midnight Suns thing. Okay. But I'm down for that, right? Oscar Isaac, Kit Harrington, and Mahershala Ali doing supernatural shit in the MCU together? I, I think somewhere in the ether, uh, Mark has probably just skeeted all over whatever he's doing. <laughs> he, like he, He's picked up psychically on the fact we're talking about Moon, <laughs> Moon Knight in association yeah. with those other two characters. And he's just like, that's more than I can take. Blah. And guess what? And guess what that means? If you've got Moon Knight... Mm. hanging out with blade mm -hmm. who do you think we're gonna go after i mean morbius right no no morbius doesn't count morbius doesn't exist in this world yes he does no he doesn't everyone exists in this world multiverse, he, he exists baby. in a different universe that can <laughs> connect potentially to the multiverse um, but he is in some weird different dimension right now i don't know no, who they I, go after i what who does blade hunt well vampires who's a famous vampire Dracula. Who does Moon Knight have an issue with? The, I don't know. Dracula! Really? Why? Moon Knight hates Dracula! Why? That's like a big thing. But he's Egyptian. Yeah. Dracula's got fuck all to do with Egypt. What's going on There's, here? I don't I don't know how much of this is actual Marvel canon or how much of it is a joke, but there is the joke is that Dracula owes Moon Knight money and Moon Knight is always trying to collect money from Dracula. <laughs> okay, that's awesome. If you asked Mark about this, he would tell you all about it. I'm sure he would. <laughs> okay, so whether like or not that. it's an actual Marvel canon thing that Moon Knight actually has has beef with Dracula. The idea of putting Moon Knight and Blade together and then they go hunt vampires just means that it writes itself. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, no, I, I feel like and and I don't know if this all connects. Maybe it does. Um, Because we have another thing that's coming out that a lot of people don't know about. Hmm. Um, And I'm actually interested if you know about it, because. It's not been like it's it's not been on their like big slates that they talk about. Um, they haven't shown any footage or logo, and I don't. And I, I think it's listed on uh, Wikipedia as untitled Halloween special. This year, they are doing a Halloween special on Disney Plus for Werewolf by Night, starring Guy Garcia Bernal. Oh, really? As the werewolf. Yep. Okay. So they really are also inter up, introducing they? werewolves and another really great actor in Guy Garcia Bernal. And who knows, maybe after the Moon Knight show, maybe we get some kind of hint that they're going to be doing this. And maybe this Halloween special is, is connected to these other properties. Oh, maybe it's Lord. maybe that's where they're going with it. I don't know. But I think I am excited that it seems to be going into the end of Eternals. 
the way I felt was like, all right, it seems like there is this, um, there is the, um, shield military feeling subplot storyline going on where like on earth, there is some kind of like team up of baddie Avengers that is kind of being formed by Julia Louis Dreyfus's character. Right. Hmm. And that's, that's kind of been happening in the, in the background. So maybe we're building something towards there. We're also maybe kind of a, a building to a young Avengers story. Cause we're introducing a lot of those characters recently. And then you have the big multiverse story that's slowly been kind of building. Mm. You got the space story happening with guardians and Thor and eternals. Like there's obviously space shit potentially going down where I'm not exactly sure, but then in the back of my head, I'm like, well, where does Moon Knight fit into all of this? <laughs> he doesn't need like, to. <laughs> how, like, we're doing a Moon Knight show, but, like, how does he connect to anything else that's going on? Yeah. And then at the end of Eternals, I'm like, oh, I think we're starting to build a supernatural, like, path well, you've already, too. Yeah, I mean, you've already got um, Stephen Strange, so... Yeah. It only makes sense to build out that part of the universe. They've got science. And then, Ag- and then Agatha uh, Harkness Agatha getting Harkness, her own show yes. as well. So it's like they're slowly starting to, we got werewolves, we got witches, we got vampires. <laughs> like now I'm starting to see where we're going with this. We've got, we've got uh, moon gods possessing people. Like I'm starting <laughs> to see that there is a more supernatural thing that's starting to kind of form itself. Uh in this as well so that's like for the future i'm very excited about and it seems like they're building maybe some street level things too because hawkeye was there you have echo coming up um and what could you know happen there as well with these netflix characters maybe slowly starting to be reincorporated again Mm. um like i could totally see a handful of street level stuff a handful of uh cosmic shit a handful of like world shit and a handful of supernatural things. Like it's even though there's a million MCU stuff in the works and coming and stuff like that, it seems like they are slowly starting to like build paths where like you can see how they could connect to one another every once in a while, but mostly they are like, you know, they got their own shit going on, you know? Mm, yeah they're developing paths for them to to move along and those paths can cross occasionally but they could also like you could have four or five shows where like moon knight and a handful of other mcu characters are interacting with each other but they never run into the hulk (laughs) (laughs) but they could they're all in the same world it could happen i don't know it's interesting Mm. definitely is more interesting than the eternals was that's for sure Green, because so. we did not talk much about the Returnals as, as much as we did about no, but <laughs> I mean, there's no need, it. there's no need to go into detail about it when like, look, it's fine. I'm not going to go out of my way to watch it again. Um, I watched a video about an outtake that they put up online recently. Uh, it's a deleted scene between Kit Harrington's character and um, Sprite, uh, played by Liam McHugh. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's a pretty non-eventful one. It's it's basically just them in the museum in London just uh, talking about, uh, you know, skeletons and shit. And um, well, then well now that makes me that makes me think more about he's going to be fighting undead shit soon. <laughs> well, no, they were talking about the the skeleton of like a megalodon or something, and she said it was actually the skull of a uh, deviant and. Um, mm-hmm. Then she says that, um, well, okay, just for your 
information. Cersei's over 100 years old. Her last boyfriend is hot and he can shoot lasers out of his eyes and can fly. And um, this is at the point where Kit Harrington still doesn't know anything about them being Eternals. So he says, look, I know that you're hesitant about me taking her away from you. I promise I won't, but I really like her, blah, blah, blah. And then the earthquake hits and that's where it joins back into the film. Gotcha. Uh, it's an okay I, film, but it's pretty um, non-consequential. I, I think that I am more excited about the potential future stuff of Kit Harrington than I was of his role in the movie. Yeah. And I, I think it's safe to say, even though I know he's the guy who becomes the Black Knight in the comics, if you just ask me, well, what's Dane Whitman's um, most prominent character um, uh, trait? Uh, from Eternals, I would say he really wants to be a giraffe. Because <laughs> that's what he spends most of the movie talking about. <laughs> well, he's only in the movie for like 10 minutes, Tops. I know. I, he's in the movie for 10 minutes. He spends five of those minutes talking, talking about, about wanting to, be a, to be a giraffe. Yeah. Well, who wouldn't want to be a giraffe? You've got a long neck. <laughs> and, your... then, and then like at the very end, there's an end credit scene where they go, oh, but he's going to be a superhero. Uh, that has nothing to do with being a giraffe. <laughs> Can't I be a superheroic giraffe? <laughs> I have to say, I did like Kamal uh, uh, Nanjiani um, in this uh, film. Um, yeah. He had great. just the right level of cockiness. Um, and and also, like as a big fan of Train to Busan, Don Lee is the, he, he is the fucking Don. Like he's yeah. brilliant. He's like, like I said, I, I, the only reason why I said I didn't want to see more of him is because he died. If they brought him back, I'd be happy. That's exactly why I want to see more of him because yeah. they killed him and he shouldn't have died. And I'm sad now, but there we go. You know what I really want to see? Cause they hinted at it. Go on. I want to, I, and he's probably not in it. There's no way we wouldn't have heard about this. Uh, but I don't know. They're really going to keep in secrets. I want Kingo to be in love and thunder. Ooh. And that's probably going to happen because I don't even know what the fuck they end this movie with such a weird cliffhanger that I don't even know when all these characters are going to show up again Who in knows? anything uh, outside of like the potential of, you know, you can 100% have Blade and, and uh, Dade Whitman show up in Moon Knight. Yeah. No problem. You know, I could I, see it happening. What I do like but, about this storyline, though, is the fact mm -hmm. that having watched uh, Loki and having yeah. already been to the end of time with yeah. He Who Remains we know that eventually the universe will die a slow death, uh, like a heat death, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, all of the suns will, will basically give up. And the only way that that can happen is if the Eternals, um, sorry, if the Celestials are no longer seeding planets, because that's how they keep the universe going, by yeah. seeding planets and sustaining their population, therefore allowing themselves to continue to sustain the universe. So we already knew what the end of this movie was going to be because we already knew that there was going to be an end of the time, uh, end of time. Mm -hmm. um, it's a pretty cool set piece though, with that celestial emerging from the earth and, uh, yeah. And uh, being turned to stone by Cersei. Like that, that was pretty cool. Um, I hope they return to that location. Cause I think it's really be, cool. It's just hanging out interesting. there now. Yeah. Like maybe they could like build something in the upturned palm of the uh, of the celestial being. Like it could be a, a base for 
I don't know, may, maybe in the future, because I know that this is definitely something that has happened in the X-Men comics, and I know they haven't got X-Men yet, but eventually they must do. Um, there's a place called Genosha, which is mm-hmm. kind of like, I mean, you, you obviously know what Genosha is, but for those who are listening that maybe don't, it's kind of like a independent country for mutants, um, where you can live freely without worry of persecution and all of that stuff that seems to happen to mutants in the X-Men all the time. And um, what better place to build it than in the upturned palm of a giant celestial being that's emerging from the Earth? <laughs> like, that seems to... It's unclaimed land. Like, I tell you what, Lex Luthor would be having wet dreams over this shit <laughs> because that's all he ever cares about is creating more land. And there you are, a giant continent-sized palm raised up in the air, only accessible by helicopter and plane. <laughs> it's the most exclusive of land masses. The poor yo, can't yo, travel there in boats. Maybe not Lex Luger, but you know who could hang out there that I think would, it would be a good base for? Well, it would be weird if Lex Luger did it because he's, you know. <laughs> Lex Luger or Lex Luthor. Either one of them, it would be weird. <laughs> go on, go ahead. But what you, you, know what, you know which villain who I think would be cool if they, if they made that home? Who? Dr. Doom. Fuck yes. Fuck yes, Dr. Doom. Did you see? Did you see my fan casting for Fantastic Four? Who I would do? No, I didn't. Why don't you tell me now? Tell me now. I would do, um, for especially because in the comics they're related, and I think this just makes a lot of sense. And I think he'd be the perfect choice, anyways. The fact that you have um, Nathaniel Richards is Kang's real name, right? Uh, yes. Because he's so. he's related to Reed Richards and he's like a oh, right, relative, okay. right? Okay. And so, um, since you have a black actor playing Kang, I would cast um, William Jackson Harper as Reed Richards. Mm-hmm. Um, Vanessa Kirby as Sue Storm. Mm, okay. Joe Keery from Stranger Things as the Flaming Torch. Ooh, um, okay. Jesse Plemons as the thing, Ben Grimm, mm-hmm. and Dan Stevens as Doctor Doom. Why would you cover up such a beautiful face? <laughs> um, that is a good point. But I also <laughs> think that uh, I also just think Dan Stevens would be so fucking great as Doctor Doom. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think that you could probably cast Dan Stevens as all four of the Fantastic Four. And yeah, you Doctor can also Strange. be Reed Richards. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, the other thing, though, too, is that I also feel like uh, the other the other potential Doctor Doom, and then maybe this, and he's also very handsome, and but not as as far as I know, as good of an actor. Because uh, Jamie Dornan, I think, would be a good Doctor Doom too. But uh, I think Dan Stevens just he's better at playing crazy maniacal and, and also charming. He's very good at doing he'd that. Be, the guest is still very, and he's about the right age for uh, William Jackson Harper. Yeah, they're all like in their like early forties, late thirties. So that, that the age works for everybody too. There's a reason why the official greatest film of all time, according to Erie international is the guest. And that reason is Dan Stevens. So he's so fucking good. And he already likes comic book shit. I think he'd be very easy to bring in to the MCU, and I would love for him. I'm to play genuinely Dr. amazed that they haven't thought. Well, I mean, maybe they thought of casting him for something yet, but just haven't. But how how has he not already been uh, in a Marvel movie? Well, he did. He did a Marvel show. 
Oh, uh, well, hang on. Which one? He um, did um, what the fuck's it called on FX? It's an X Men. Oh, the 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 one where he plays Mag- Magneto's son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Legion. Yeah. Legion. Legion. Okay. Uh, so he did he did Legion and but he also did Beauty and the Beast. So he's worked with Disney before. Mm, yeah. So it's not crazy to imagine that they could bring him in for this, no, and I look, feel like he would do it. At the end of the day, I don't think there is a single actor's name out there that is beyond the idea of My, coming in, into uh, the MCU. Have you have you watched The Good Place? No, no. It's on my list to watch, but you know what those lists are like. You just keep adding to them and never get around to watching stuff. So William Jackson Harper, I think his two big things that he's done, or at least the two things I know him from, is uh, he's uh, plays Chidi on The Good Place, who's one of the main characters, uh, and he also plays uh, one of the research guys in Midsummer who gets killed. And he's... A really, really, he's really good at playing funny and he's good at playing serious and he's good at playing like curious and and smart. And I think Mm. he'd be a great Reed Richards. I think that they've slowly started kind of casting a handful of people because Eugene Cordero was on The Good Place and Jamila Jamil was on The Good Place and they've been cast in MCU stuff recently. And then you have, um, I cannot remember, it's like on the top of my tongue right now. The guy who plays Kang in Loki, who's going to be in um, Ant-Man. Oh, I um, remember. But after he got cast as Kang and I was like putting the dots together, I was like the casting people and the people in the MCU, they've been casting people from The Good Place recently and they've just cast the black actor as, as Reed Richards' uh, relative. And I kind of think this guy would be perfect for the part. Mm. So he is my – I tweeted like a while ago. I called my shot and I said it's going to be this guy. It might not be. There was a rumor recently that it might be Glenn Howerton who I think would be awesome too. I think that would be really fun. Um, but I think I think William Jackson Harper would be better. But I mm. also would love mm. to see Glenn Howerton show up in the MCU. I think that would be great as well. But uh, but that's my choice. I would I would cast those guys. And then I'm flexible on the on Johnny Storm. I think he's the one where it could go either way. But I was trying to find somebody who it could be like okay, well, a, a younger a younger brother to Sue Storm mm. and would be a fun actor who can do a lot of okay, good stuff. That, and Joe Keery yeah. showed that he's got some range. Here's an idea then. Dan Stevens is ageless, so why don't we cast him? <laughs> make him the brother. Make, yeah, he would make be him good Johnny as well, Storm. but I, the problem with that is that he doesn't get to be crazy maniacal like he can be. He can still be a little bit crazy. He just can't be maniacal. But then... See, I, I would love... I just... Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Okay, so going on your theory about how they cast people from The Good Place all the time, mm-hmm. and if I remember correctly... Why don't we go for Victor Von Doom as an elder statesman and cast Ted Danson? <laughs> don't hate that either. <laughs> I, I actually, there was in my head. Because he can do it. maniacal. I thought about it because there was also a rumor, the rumor that came out, and I don't think this is true. I mm. think this was just somebody made this up and went with it. Although the thing, I would not be surprised if they did this, but I, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I don't remember who they cast as Johnny Storm, but the rumor was that Glenn Howerton would play Reed Richards, that um, uh, what's her last name? Kristen Bell would play yeah. Sue Storm, okay. that somebody who I can't remember will play Johnny Storm, and then Seth Rogen would play Ben Grimm. That's not a bad casting either, to be fair, because like – It's not. Seth Rogen, like – 
I, I don't think he's not age appropriate because I think he's a lot older than everybody else. I could be wrong about that. But uh, or maybe they're all a little bit older. Maybe they maybe. Yeah, but in. here's but the I, thing. I, I feel like Ben Grimm in human form could potentially be older than the rest of them. Like there's okay. uh, friendship knows no age limit. <laughs> Um, well, that's what I think. I think I worked it out where like, they're all within like, like where, where Dr. Doom, Reed Richards, uh, maybe I don't remember. I looked up Vanessa Kirby's. I think her age is appropriate too. And, um, Jesse Plemons, they were like all within three years of each other, I think. And Dan Stevens, hmm. like they're, they were cl- all close enough where I was like, Oh, a hundred percent. They could all be friends because they're all like, they're not all the same age, but they're all really close to each other. So it would make sense to have like a friendship from earlier. Um, the thing about the – what I was thinking about it though was I was like, well, I think William Jackson Harper would be the perfect Reed Richards and Kristen Bell would be fun as Sue Storm. And then, yeah, fuck – oh, and it's somebody uh, – uh, Nando V Movies on YouTube said Manny Jacinko should play Johnny Storm who's also from The Good Place. And then I said, yeah, fuck it. Just do everybody from the good place, and you put Ted Danson in as Doctor Doom or something, and you just just bring them all in, and just it's just the cast of the good place in the Fantastic Four movie. Oh dear, oh man, oh well, well there we go. That that's about that. That's probably more fun than I've I had actually watching Eternals. So so that's good. oh for sure. Um, was there anything else Marvel related that we were going to talk about, or, or has that covered it for the time being? Until I see you- Spider Man tomorrow. Yeah, well, we can talk about Spider-Man after you see it. I think that'll be more fun to talk about uh, than all the other things. But I will say um, a lot of – I'm really excited for a lot of this future stuff that that's coming out. I'm excited for this Doctor Strange movie. It's crazy how soon it's coming, and I know that there's going to be a lot of stuff in it that is going to surprise people. That's going to be, I think, another movie if, if they market it right, which is like – if you don't see this movie opening weekend, you're going to get spoiled like they did with Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, the Spider-Man, I cannot believe it made over $250 million in its opening weekend in the middle of this pandemic is fucking insane. And it was because that. everyone was like, I need to see this before it's too late. Obviously, you waited. <laughs> but I think it's going to be OK. I think you're still going to enjoy it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I'm excited to see what happens with this Doctor Strange movie. We're getting um, – also this year is the um, – we're getting – hold on. I'm going to pull it up really quick because I'm trying to remember. We, we're getting um, – give me three seconds. Here we go. Um, Doctor Strange is in May. Thor is in July. Um, right now there's still a Black Panther movie on the list. We'll see if that sticks around. Um and then we have the Moon Knight show that's coming out in March. We've got um, She-Hulk coming out this year. We've got Miss Marvel coming out this year. Um, we got a Guardians holiday special. We got the Werewolf Halloween special. Like it's it's going to be cool to see where all this stuff starts to play out. And um, I think it's going to be a lot of really cool surprises on the horizon and announcements. Like I a hundred percent expect the thing I was implying earlier is I, is I think not only do we get um, Kingpin back for the echo series, I think we get daredevil back for the echo series. I hope so. I hope because so. I'm thinking, well, we got 
we got um, a deaf superhero. Who should she team up with? A mm. blind superhero. Yeah. It just makes sense. Makes perfect sense. It's the remake of See No Evil, Hear No Evil that we all hoped for. So a part of me is like, I would love to see uh, a lot of... I would like to see those Netflix characters come back. It seems like we're going to get a lot of fun stuff. We still got... Oh, my God. We gotta, we're going to get the actual Fantastic Forecasting probably this year. Uh, we're going to probably get um, the... Um, what was I going to say? I don't know. There's a lot of shit that's coming on the pipeline. I was going to say something that we were going to get fairly soon. Um, an announcement wise. Oh, uh, probably it was probably going to be the Hawkeye and uh, Black Widow show, which I think they are going to do. Hmm. That's my guess. So a lot of fun stuff coming. I am excited about the future of Marvel stuff. And I also feel like the future of Eternal stuff. Oh, <laughs> I forgot to mention why. The reason why I want Kingo to be in God of uh, Love and Thunder is because I think Kumail would be perfect in a Taika Waititi movie. And because oh, yeah. in Eternals, he says that Thor was would follow him around all the time when he was a kid. <laughs> so they established that Thor and Kingo had a relationship already. And I was like, God, put Kingo in a Taika Waititi movie with Kid- Chris Hemsworth. God, that sounds like so much fun. <laughs> and really they've got awesome. history. It's perfect. That would be awesome. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, fingers crossed. Uh, anyway, look, I think that is going to pretty much do it. Um, we've been going an hour and 40-something minutes and change. So, dear Lord, that's an awful lot of time. Uh, but thank you to everyone who stuck with us for this long, especially those of you who came for the MCU and uh, ended up having to sit through a bunch of AEW and NXT talk beforehand. <laughs> hopefully but... hopefully there wasn't anybody who listened to this who were like, ooh, I can't wait to hear their in-depth thoughts about Eternals. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I, in the show notes, I'll probably put timestamps for when we start talking about certain stuff. Then again, maybe I won't bother. Uh, we just have to wait and see. But I like to think that people join, join in with us to uh, listen to us just talk about random crap more than anything else. So... I don't know. We'll wait and see. Um, until next time, then, uh, I'd like to thank you very much, Tyler, for joining me to talk about more MCU goodness. And uh, it shan't be too long until we've got something else to talk about. As I said, I'll be watching Spider-Man tomorrow, and uh, and then we can talk all about it. Hell yeah. Until then, thank you very much for listening, everyone. Take care. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.